Hello, welcome to the Blue Room on Radio City Talk with me, Peter McPartland. I'm joined in the studio tonight by Matt Jones, Paddy Boyland and Mickey Horton. Is it Hooten or Horton? It's Horton, pal. It's Horton. Yeah, Sorry, it that's is, just yeah. the commoner in me yeah. saying Hooten, isn't it? Yeah. It's Horton. I'll get the name right. Oh, God, it's warm today, lads. Tell you what, I am sweating like Kevin Morales in a Belgian press conference <laughs> describing why he's had an uptake in form. Um, <laughs> he said he lost uh, six kilos of weight. He said he lost them. And uh, Kuma made them put a six kilo weight on his back to feel the difference. So he's obviously been uh, sweating a lot in training by the sound that of it sounds as well. Like, that sounds like in schools when they want to show Girls, why not to get pregnant? And they put the big weight on them. This is what it'll <laughs> feel like. I'm sure it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, it sounds pretty similar. Yeah. Um, it's an international week, so we'll probably, there'll probably be more of this nonsense because I can't really think of that much to talk about. Um, I mean, transfer down. Lads, how have we survived the weekend? Tra- you know, uh, international international weekend. Because even even though whether you like it or not, there was didn't seem to be that many Everton players involved in the first place. There isn't, but they're just the games for me. International games are just drab, aren't they? You know, they're just sort of so, so bad. And obviously, you know, with the England, you know, the euphoria over Big Sam coming in as manager, but they were still just as bad as ever, weren't they? It was just, you know, it seemed like a Roy Hodgson team, but just with a different manager. And obviously, they spawned the result in the last minute. It's like they've packed all the good sports into this weekend, isn't it? Because you've got the Brooke Golovkin fight, you've got the Manchester Derby, you've got Celtic Rangers. So last week, there was a major drought. I was off as well, I was sitting there thinking... Oh, get, get stuck in some good sport this weekend. Then I was flicking through my Sky Planner, and there was absolutely nothing at all on. Paddy, did you discover any new any new sports over the weekend that you you'd never you know any ever found before? To be honest, no. I had a, I had a weekend off. I thought after the transfer deadline day that Everton had, I thought I'd take a bit of a break and then come back, hopefully refreshed for this for this Monday night's game. I'm the same. I don't mind an international break because. It's just an. It's you can. It is for me just a break. It know? is, but don't you find it early this year? It's just like the seasons mm-hmm. just got going, and then all of a sudden we're all stopping for the internationals. Mickey, you sound like people that say, "Oh, isn't it going dark early?" No, towards the end of August, it happens every year. It's just because I'm old, pal. Just getting old and getting miserable. That's what it is. Every year, the same people say, "Oh, isn't it getting dark early?" No, it's not. It's been the same for about three million years, and all of your life. <laughs> just not happy unless I'm moaning that's what it is that's because you live in Blackpool uh, Lidham St. Anne's oh, yeah, get it right come on sorry, mate. Right. get it right sorry mate you've swapped uh, the, the big one for uh, Bowling Greens that's it spot on <laughs> well as P- Paddy mentioned there obviously transfer deadline day it was a week ago now a week ago I know the lads were in um, live probably celebrating the fact that we just signed Soko. Um <laughs> which which is a story on its own but um Matt, I'll start with you. Transfer deadline day, I just... By the end of it, I was just worn out by the lack of Everton activity and just just, just the way Everton seemed to handle the whole thing. The fact that it seemed like it was going somewhere with a couple of days beforehand and then just petered out into nothing. It was like they kind of got caught up in the, the fr- freneticism of it all, wasn't it, really? And they wanted to make a big splash and, and sign someone like Sissoko, but... Yeah, it was all pretty underwhelming, really, and I think I was looking at the last day thinking there's there's a few... Ki- Although I was quite happy with the signings beforehand in the window, I think there's a few key areas that we all want to see addressed. Most notably being a striker, a goalkeeper as well, perhaps, I thought might have come in. So 
I was looking for them to, to be addressed really and the, the fact that we were we were looking at Musa Sissoko really confused me in, in a few ways really because I'm not entirely sure he's worth the money that was being bandied around and, and this is a player that had been available for the whole summer as well and uh, Newcastle obviously weren't going to be looking at keeping him because they were in the championship they'd been talking about him going to Real Madrid to Juventus Spurs into Milan so it was clear he was available and, and if Everton wanted him that much they should have gone and got him earlier in the window and the fact that they didn't, they left it to the last day, you'd always leave yourself open to the, to these kind of situations mm-hmm. and, and this type of ridicule which has followed. So, yeah, I, I, it was a disappointing last segment of the window for me, but I'm, I'm still feeling pretty positive overall about the uh, about the transfer market. Yeah, yeah, I agree with Matt totally there. I think overall in the window, our business was good. You know, we've we've matched our transfer record in bringing Malassi in. Um, obviously, Adrisa Guy has just been just unbelievable since he's arrived. Um, so, on the whole, I think I'm happy. You know, obviously, Ashley Williams as well. I just think the last day was a little bit shambolic on Everton's part because um, they left it, as Matt said, there. They, we left it so, so late. You know, we, we come in with this £30 million bid at mm. quarter to ten at night. And we put pressure on ourselves, didn't we? You know, and by the, the sound of it, he's played us like a good one because, you know, he, he probably was never coming in the first place. And I think the winners, obviously, out of this was, was Newcastle United. I think the disappointing thing for me was how scattergun it all got. I mean, after Sissoko went to Spurs, um, there didn't seem like any concerted mm. strategy to back it up. We're, we're hearing reports of a, a last-minute bid for Andrei Yarmolenko, who was a Roberto Martinez target, really. So that shows you how... They've got his phone number, though. That's the thing. <laughs> They've got his phone number. It's like Raquel me once you've got it. It's there. It's in the, it's in the book. <laughs> yeah, it's like the last throws in the window, wasn't it, sort of thing. But... Uh... Yeah, I, th- I think we, I think we can all be quite happy with the with the, the squad, though. I mean, I think there's been some key areas that have been addressed in terms of leadership, in terms of physicality, in terms of players who are going to work hard and, and fit the the Cumin blueprint, and they they will improve the first team, and as a result, we should get more points. But I, I think the, the lingering concern for me as well is, is you look at the business that the teams around us have done as well. I think a lot of teams have gone out and spent big money. A lot of teams have strengthened the squad as a whole, and. Plenty seem to be taking it as a given that because Everton have strengthened their first eleven, we are going to automatically finish higher up the table. We are going to better our eleven place finish this year. But because of those players that have come into other clubs, I mean, you look at the business Crystal Palace did late in the window. I think they did really well to get some good players in. There's a lot of other teams as well in and around this same area that we finished who who strengthened really well. So so that'll be a concern for me. But I think the fact that we've upgraded our manager as well mm-hmm. as uh, is going to count a lot for that. No, you meant. I mean, you mentioned Paddy. They mentioned Yarmolenko. Another one was I think Kalinic has been mentioned from Florentina. Mm. It does seem very strange that there was no clear plan, and also talk of different people doing different things on the day, and and no focused idea of of who was leading the the transfer window and who was going after these players, and that that to me was a little bit worrying. But hopefully that'll get better. But hopefully they'll learn from that. You know, there's talk. Machiri wasn't happy about the whole thing. But hopefully they'll they'll learn from that because I just think that they need to identify targets. And if they don't get those targets, then just move away rather than get in positions where you know Jim White's giving out precious information <laughs> on Sky Sports News. I think Machiri's obviously now realised that that he's not at Arsenal anymore and he's at Everton. I think when he was at Arsenal, they can go and identify a player mm. and potentially just go and get him because it's Arsenal. You're down in London, Champions League football to offer. He's obviously at Everton now, and you know if you're going to try and attract a player, yeah, all we've got to offer really is well, we've got a good manager now that goes in our favour, but all we've got to offer is money. And I just think you know he's now realised that it, he's not at Arsenal now and he's going to have to plan things a bit different in the next window. 
yeah, yeah. I mean, that is that is the worry, isn't it? That it, it well, it's not the worry as such, but everyone's got money. Everyone's got it's what it's what else you can offer these players. Yeah, I think so. As as Mickey alluded to, Everton aren't as much of a, a big catch for players now looking to further themselves in the Premier League as they once were. If you look at when Lukaku signed for that big club record sum of money, Everton were in fifth place at the time and looking like they were going to push towards the Champions League. Two seasons of regression under Martinez means that Everton now is seen as a mid-table club, but like a Stoke City or a, a Southampton. There's no pulling power there, really. And the likes of Sissoko, frankly, are at this moment in time always going to choose Spurs over Everton. Yeah, I think another thing for me as well is what, what I thought we might do this some with, with the new backing is essentially pay a premium to get the, the players in early doors. And I think if you look at the teams who have probably done the best business this summer, you think of City, United... Even Liverpool, to a certain extent, when when he went out and signed Sadio Mane for thirty six million, and there's plenty of eyebrows raised. There's plenty of eyebrows raised about you know to go and spend that kind of money on Pogba, but they got them in straight away, and they're in the squad now. They're embedded. They know what it's all about, and they've gone from there. They weren't involved in, in ratting around on on the, the last day of the transfer deadline day, and and typically if you leave it so late in the window as well, you're not going to get those quality players. You're not going to get the players with the right attitude. You're going to get players who who have got flaws in them. It's like going to, to Tesco at about three o'clock and, and all the nice meal deals have gone. You're left with ready salt and crisp and, and egg and crisp, aren't you? So it, it, it's that sort of thing. So I think there will be lessons learned from this as well. And I think it's quite, I think it says quite a lot that all the business Everton did do and did successfully do was, was with English clubs as well. I think they've uh, they've obviously delved into the European market and tried to bring in some of these high-profile players like Witzel, Carvalho, Gabbiadini, talk about Brahimi as well on the last day and I, I think they've, they've not quite got that right and they've been a little bit naive in that sense so as long as there's lessons learned from it and going forward we see improvements in that sense then I've got no problem but I don't want to be I don't want to be sat here in 12 months time saying we've made the same sorts of errors again You can go into Tesco and get those meals with just the yellow sticker on though Matt what ones are they? No, the ones oh, that the ones that are like about to expire. Yeah, mean? just them ones. Uh, and for your tea, so that's, you need to I go, don't know how that works in football terms. I'm you, just, I'm just throwing it out. You need there. to go, you need to go properly late, don't you? For that though, like it's like six, seven o'clock before you get them. You don't get them at like three o'clock just on a late lunch. Okay, I'm just there's nothing you can, you can nothing <laughs> we can measure that in football terms, is there? Um, yeah, I mean it was a frustrating day. I mean, just just mentioning there the whole Jim White thing again. I find that very, very strange. These statements coming out of. Farhad Mashiri's office going straight to Jim White. I mean, again, is that is that naivety that he's using, you know, a third party rather than going through the club? Because there was a lot of scepticism about that about that statement and and was it real or not? And I think that led to its own problems as well. Instead of just going through the club media and getting that message out there and getting a focused message, it again that felt a little bit. It, that, the whole thing felt a bit strange, the Sissoko thing and, and saying about James McCarthy being family. That that was pretty hit and miss as well for me. It was a bit embarrassing for me. And, you know, I don't want to get involved in any of that circus, that whole deadline day circus. Mm. You know, it is, it's for the media, it's for TV. Mm. And I'll be honest, I'm caught up in it because I was watching it all day. But it's not something that I want my club involved in. And I don't think, I mean, I, I think he has sent the text. I don't think he'd be allowed to say yeah. it if he didn't. Yeah. Um, Again, I think it is naive from him and hopefully he'll learn from that because, as I say, for me, it was just a little bit embarrassing and I I wanted the same as what Matt was saying there. I want our business done nice and early because you leave it so late, you're going to be paying top whack, get it done early, you don't get involved in any of all the, you know, the last day shenanigans. You look at the likes of Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal, uh, I know Chelsea bought Louise in last minute, but, the, you know, the, the, which was madness in itself. Yeah. Um, it's something that I don't want to get involved in and hopefully, as I say, we'll learn from this. 
because I mean, it's the big thing for me, uh, Paddy. Throw this over to you. Is um, you know, you look at Liverpool, you look at Manchester United, you look at Manchester City. Um, they they had all their business done. They didn't get anywhere near. Okay, Chelsea jumped in last minute. Uh, Arsenal had to jump in in the last week. They, they those big teams. They had, they had all their business addressed. It was all done, and they're ready for the season when the season starts, pretty much. Yeah, there's a reason why they do that as well. You need to bed players in as early as possible for the opening games in the season. And Everton, obviously, they got that initial crop of players in, and I'm I'm, I'm happy with them. As we said earlier, Adrissa Gay's made a huge impact. Stecklenburg's an improvement on what we had originally. Um, and I think Balassi and Williams are excellent signings as well. But Everton did leave it last minute. And I, th- I think, for me, the, th- the important thing to take out of it was that this is a new regime and it's cutting its teeth slightly. Um, perhaps this is a, a slightly longer-term project and the initial phase of it is that there will be some mistakes made. The important thing is that they learn from them. Do you think Kuman will be happy with the squad and what and what he's got in now? Because there the, the seems there seems to be a little bit of anxiousness from him after the Stoke game. He said that the squad's going to look a lot different now to what it will do uh, in a week's time. I'm just, I'm just wondering how how he'll uh, he'll respond to this kind of you know the circus on the last sort of day. I, I mean, I'm sure. I mean, I'll ask you the same question, but for me. There's still it's still a striker light, or maybe two mm. strikers light, yeah. and that that's that's the most frustrating thing for me. It's not we didn't sign anyone on transfer deadline day. It only frustrated me because we needed to sign someone on transfer mm. day, which I mean we did sign someone. We'll talk about Enzo Enzo Valencia in a moment, but it still feels like certainly up front he's going to have to move players round at times to come, you know, to if he needs to, he's going to have to. You might have to put play Delafeu up front. You might, you know, you might have to play Coney up front. Um, Niasse is <laughs> back in the squad as well. Isn't well, he? Uh, yeah, he is in the squad, but he's not got a number I, yet. Though, I don't he? really, you know, I don't really pay any attention to that as such. But <laughs> I think, I mean, I think he will be frustrated. But you look at some of those articles that come out of pre- the, the the deadline day, and I think Dominic King's done one, and uh, Paul Joyce done one, and they're on very very similar lines. But slightly different, you know. Paul Joyce basically saying it was frustrating that they missed out. But if you look at it, they got key targets in. Whereas you look at uh, Dominic King, who's basically just seems to be ripping into yeah. uh, Cumin for having short-term plans. I don't know what he watched last season, but it couldn't be in Everton because <laughs> um, if anything, we needed short-term plans. So I'm happy with the business we've done. I think it's fantastic the the players we've brought in. Um, I just think we're a striker light. I, I'm worried about the keeper. And I think I think we're going to be too reliant on Gareth Barry as well. I think they're my two two main concerns looking at the squad now. I think Stecklenberg's obviously done well, but I, I'd be more privy to judging him over a, a three-year period rather than a three-game period, which, he, which he's had so far. And he's done really well, and I hope he does recapture the form he had at Roman and when he was in the Netherlands squad, and he's obviously got back in that now. And I think the last two seasons we spoke to far too frequently about how often we're reliant on Gareth Barry. And I think while Adrissa uh, Garnagay will take some of the workload off him, I just he's thirty six years old in uh, in February, and I'm not sure we've got a, a player like him in the squad who who can spot danger, who can distribute the ball, and who, who can make an impression in the final third. Unless he sees someone like Tom Davis maybe yeah. coming in and fulfilling that role, but I'm just worried that we're a little bit light in those two areas. Do you think Darren Gibson's the understudy for Gareth Barry? I know he's never around really, Gibson. He's <laughs> normally on the treatment table, isn't he? But he's the one with the most similar characteristics mm. in his game. So maybe that's why he was kept around. I don't know because there's nobody else. Tom Cleverley can't do that role, and that's why we are so heavily reliant on on Gareth Barry. Sometimes it it showed, especially in that Europa League campaign under Martinez. It was it was too much for him. 
So I, I think Matt's right that that was an area that really did need to be strengthened, not just in the short term, but also looking further ahead to that. And I think it was it was crazy as well, obviously, with, you know, James McCarthy as well, getting sort of touted as being unhappy at the club and, you know, that we were looking to offload him as well. Um, when you're looking, as we say, with Gareth Barry, you know, he's, he's not getting any younger. Adrisa Gay, obviously, is going to the African Nations as well, so we're mm-hmm. going to lose him for five weeks. So midfield, we are going to be light, and I think we're going to be, you know, hopefully Bezic will come back. I know he's not got a bad injury as well. We've got Bezic to come back, but we're going to need uh, James mm-hmm. McCarthy, and it's going to be really important that we've got players like yeah. that in the midfield. Um, and I think regarding the keeper, Stecklenberg, He's had a decent three games, but Kuman actually come out in one of his press conference and said we need another keeper. So he he, he was made known really that we were we were in the market for someone. And um, I'm just I was shocked that the Joe Hart thing didn't happen. I just thought he yeah. was there for the taking, yeah. especially for twelve months. He would have been absolutely ideal. We could have had a look at him. He could have come and had a look at us. It was just seemed to be perfect timing, and I was astounded that that didn't happen, especially when we are looking for a keeper. But as I say, the lad that's come in at the moment, Stecklenberg, he's done all right. But I'm a bit nervous as well because I think you know what's points he could come on stuff yeah I think that's I think we could have done with another goalkeeper whether it be whether it be someone of Joe Hart's calibre or just another good goalkeeper to come into the team but um, that could be addressed in January it might, they might wait till next summer now to address that um, coming up in part two we'll be discussing Romelu Lukaku's comments and what makes Ever- an Everton family member we'll be right back Welcome back to the Blue Room on Radio City Talk with me, Peter McPartland. Uh, we've discussed in the first part of the show transfer deadline day uh, and, and pretty much the whole transfer window and what we thought of it. One of the things that did come up was Farhad Mashiri's uh, comments to Jim White, his little... His little <laughs> I don't know. Did he text each other? What, what? Maybe there's a WhatsApp group of like Jim White, Natalie Sawyer, and uh, Farhad Mashiri. I, I, I don't know. There's, there's no way that that statement is written out exactly like that on notes. On notes. I, I imagine what's probably happened there is he's had a chat with him and he said, "Can I just transcribe some of what you've said and we'll put it into a little little column?" Because it doesn't make any sense, does it? It's just absolutely remarkable. Um, Jim's put his obviously. Jim's put his little bit of spin on it as he's this guy <laughs> as well, which hasn't helped things. Yeah. I wouldn't expect anything more. But one of the things that was said was, you know, they went for Sissoko, but then, but then, um, I wish I had the statements in front of me. I haven't, I'm literally, <laughs> but he's basically said, Jane McCarthy is, is part of the Everton family, and we can't possibly, couldn't possibly sell one of the uh, Everton family three days after letting uh, Ryan Ledson go, had been at the club since he was seven. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, what's your. Mickey, I start with you because you're the oldest. Um, you know what you know what it means. To Man be of the world. Of, you know, yeah. you know what it means to be part of the Everton family. What does that mean? You know, what, do we class players um, in the squad as part of the Everton family, or do we wait till we see what they've done in their careers and 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 how they, you know, how their their career plays out at Everton before we start saying things like that? Yeah, as I said before, mate, I have no idea why he's come out with that. It sounds like something that the previous manager would sort of come out and say, you know, where he sort <laughs> oh, of God. spins a yarn Don't for, say the whole, rubbing off on him. for the whole world to sort of believe. Uh, I just think it's mental, it's crazy, and he's, you know, being badly advised. Uh, I think he's probably regretting saying it now because obviously, you know, there's no such thing as, you know, we're not going to bring a player in because we want James McCarthy mm. to sort of feel wanted. Sorry, that just doesn't wash. A mm. um, little bit embarrassing, and as I say, hopefully that's something that he'll learn from because, uh, you know, a football club's not run on the way you, you look after your players is it you know or you know whether you, you treat them as family members just a bit mental crazy statement to make yeah. I think you've got to use the uh, hashtag Everton family 
on uh, on Twitter to be fully to be fully involved in it personally. <laughs> like I've not seen James McCarthy using that on it on his social media account. So I, I personally wouldn't say he's fully integrated into it now. Paddy, do you think this is a case of maybe you know they're in the office, Machiri, Bill Kenwright. Machiri says, "Do you want a cup of tea, Bill?" He says, "Yeah." Goes out the room. Bill gets the phone, starts t- t- looking through his <laughs> looking through his uh, you know looking through his contacts. This Jim White, I'll send him a message. He's been hacked. He hacked him. I, I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Bill got hold of Farhad's phone and sent that message to Jim White because because he, he hasn't got Jim White's number. That was actually the first thing that came into my head. It did sound like it had been written by Bill in conjunction with Roberto. It was like the two of them had teamed together for in this one. In conjunction with J.K. Rowling. <laughs> do you reckon, do you reckon uh, Farad got back from the uh, from the, the kitchen and Bill, Bill sitting there with a big grin on his face like, oh, you'll, ne- you'll, nev- <laughs> oh, you'll, you'll never guess what I've just done. Oh, guess who I've just texted there. You're going to make you look like a right idiot. <laughs> there are two things, though. I think the first one is that it was. It, it's quite clear that it's blatant nonsense. They'd tried to bring in Musa Sissoko, who was virtually going to be uh, James McCarthy's replacement. If that had happened, the talk was of McCarthy going out on loan to Crystal Palace until the end of the season. So I, I don't really see how the, the failed attempt has, has, um, has changed but That much. makes no sense, really, because the different players, aren't they? Doesn't he? He plays out wide, doesn't he, Sissoko? He's a wide player, he's well, not he's, a central midfielder. He's, he's, a bit of a, he's played all over the place, hasn't he, for Newcastle, I think, yeah. But, um, yeah, really strange one, anyway. I don't think we've missed out, to be honest. If no, you look, no. I, I, you know, when we'd uh, when we'd agreed the fee, I could just see all over Twitter Newcastle fans absolutely giving Everton fans pelters about what they were buying. Um, so as soon as the Tottenham bid come in, I felt suddenly felt strangely better about myself and, <laughs> yeah. and Everton. So it wasn't, it didn't feel that bad. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's 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 funny because because James McCarthy seemed to want out of Everton, mm. which seemed to you know he. Which led to actually the funniest press conference I've probably ever seen oh, with uh, yeah. Roy Keane, you know, basically saying, "Well, didn't he play against? Hasn't he played every game this season that he that he could have been involved with?" Um, which again leads to me, which I find strange about James McCarthy because this is the first time in his career at Everton where he's been under any pressure for his place. And he's trying to bolt out the door. I mean, what does that say about him? Do you know what? I don't know whether that is the case because I have no idea if that is the case. But I think I think maybe some fans are putting two and two together and coming up with five because I think it was when he was dragged off one year against West Brom. Mm. I think he was playing at right back one year at the time, mm. and obviously Cooman looked at it, it wasn't working, and he dragged him off. But I don't think that was down to James McCarthy playing bad. I think it was the system that we were playing, um, and I think obviously fans have looked at that um, because obviously he was dragged off. And as I say, maybe put two and two together. I have no idea what's going on in the club. But as you say, you know, he needs to knuckle down. It is the first time that he's come under a bit of pressure. But I think if we want to move onwards and upwards, that's what we need. We need competition for places. You'd think he'd relish the challenge, wouldn't you, really? Someone, someone of his age, someone who's, who's been with the same sort of manager for a while, to, to have someone like Human coming in and his pedigree. And to have somebody coming in, playing, and, and basically taking his position off him, you'd think he'd, he'd, he'd you know, be emboldened by that and want to go on and, and show the manager that he can do that. So, I think the reports that he wants to leave were from pretty reliable journalists as well. I think Paula Joyce said mm-hmm. that, he, that he wanted out in there as well. So, I imagine there is some some veracity to that. But yeah, a little disappointed by it all. And obviously, he's got that injury now as well, so he's going to be he's going to be at the uh, the side for a while. Yeah, too busy going up to uh, Glasgow to watch Celtic games. By the looks of it, that's. <laughs> If that's where he's getting his injuries from, yeah. um, Romelu Lukaku, he's a man who's in the Everton family, surely. <laughs> <laughs> um, he said, "Well, he came out with the statement, didn't he? He said Juventus came in for him, but he decided to stay. Uh, it's not, it's not finished with Everton yet. It's not the right time to leave, and it hasn't, it hasn't all been bad." 
Um, but somehow, he somehow twists a, a, a statement about staying at Everton into basically, you know, the time's not right for me to leave. Not not I've got things to do at Everton. It's the time's not right for me to leave, um, which I just basically take as my agent's been too busy tying up Paul Pogba to Man United all summer mm. to get me a good move. So when's this lad going to learn? Mickey, when is he going to learn? It seems to happen, doesn't it? Always on an international break. It's as soon as he gets away, as soon as obviously the wheels leave John Lennon Airport, you see him like sort of, that's where he starts opening his mouth, isn't it? And, On and, Sissoko's jet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we just, he obviously, you know, he obviously thinks he's big in the club, whether he, you know, he, he obviously thinks he's a big deal and he's obviously using effort in, in his head as a stepping stone onto bigger and better things. Well, if that is the case, that's fair enough, but you keep your gob shut, you know what I mean? Because there's, we're paying his wages at the moment and there's fans there each week, week in, week out supporting him. He's got to get his head down and he's start, got to start banging goals in for the club. Uh, obviously, he scored two, didn't he? for Belgium midweek so hopefully he's going to kick on from that he just needs to sort of someone to advise him hopefully you know Ronald Koeman maybe have a word with him or something when he gets back he's getting really badly advised and just say to him look you know when you're on these international breaks you need to just keep your gob shut and while you've got a blue shirt on you just need to concentrate on that and you know hopefully start banging some goals in for us do you not think someone at the club should have said this to him already I mean it's been going on all it's been, this has been going on all summer hasn't it you've got a new manager in he's come out and said after the West Brom game, they came from Cumin, didn't they? In his column in the, uh, in the in the Dutch newspaper on, on the morning of that game, and then after the game, he said he's staying. Surely someone at the club should have got a grip of him now and said, "You've come out and said you're staying. Look, offer him a new contract. Just don't spin. Just don't give them any kind of ammunition. Don't say anything about potentially leaving." And, he, and he's still doing it. And I think going back to uh, what we were talking about a little bit in the, earlier in the show, this is where Everton have backed themselves into a corner in a way because. We've got a player there who's, who's struggling for goals in the Premier League, and he clearly wants to has wants to move on this summer. And we've got nobody else to replace him with. We're still so reliant on him. And, and if he if he has a little bit of a sulk on for the rest of the season, what what kind of position is Ronald Koeman going to be in now? Paddy, yeah. Well, um, I don't think it's just exclusive to Romelu Lukaku. This the, the shooting the mouth off on international breaks. Mm-hmm. Kevin Morales is being prone to it as well. Maybe the club needs to send somebody send somebody over to the <laughs> the Belgian camp and um, advise. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's what he's doing. Yeah, maybe that's what he's doing. Advise on PR or something. <laughs> I, I don't know. But uh, for me, I've always seen Lukaku as a bit of an egoist and somebody I think he's bigger than the club. It's clear he sees us as a stepping stone. And I mean. If we're taking taking what what he's saying at face value, then fine. He, he chose not to move this summer, but I think the Euros had a big influence on that. I mm. he, he was looking for a move. He thought the Euros was going to be his opportunity to put himself in the shop window, and he didn't he didn't fire. And I don't think the interest came in in the way that him and Raiola in particular had expected. Really, I, yeah. yeah, I don't think there was any concrete bids for him. I don't know where this Juventus thing has come from. I think um, I think he was talking about when he moved to Everton initially, didn't he? And it's, he, been, it's he, been spun a little. But he bit. didn't make that very clear, though, if he if that's what he was saying, because he sort of he sort of basically said I, I had the chance to go to Juventus, and then whether it's like two two statements put together to create to create something, I don't know. But it, but I mean, that, this is the danger, isn't it, when you're translating interviews and stuff into uh, a <laughs> oh, in this day and age. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's it's obviously. 
it's quite an ambiguous line and some journalists have, have latched onto it as a, as a saying that he could have gone this summer but I, I think I remember rightly I don't know if the lads can remember this as well but I think Juventus were in for him the summer when Everton got him and there was, yeah. there was quite a lot of talk about him maybe going there so I, I think that's what he was talking about in that sense definitely So you get the vibe that he's really not happy at the club don't you you know his, his body language just doesn't seem right at all and I get the feeling that we maybe have priced him out of a move because I think we put the figure of was it six, 75 million 75 or something wasn't million, it yeah. which you know obviously no one is going to come in and pay for that um, so yeah, I just get a feeling that he's not entirely happy as well with that. I think he he did want to go during the summer. But I think it's important that they did keep him though because Absolutely. after selling John Stones, I don't you know when when Everton sold John Stones, regardless of what was going going on elsewhere, um, there was you know people were starting to say, well, you just you just you're still a selling club, mm. nothing's changed. Now if we'd sold two, I think that would have caused re- really bad uh, ruptions and and it just made the club look really. Like they hadn't moved on in, in mm. any way, so I think they had to. And you're right about the price tag; it was always, you know, upwards of seventy million. Which, when you look at the market, that's not that's not that bad, really, is it? When you no. think about the players you've been sold for for thirty, thirty five. I mean, when Sissoko's going for thirty million, I mean that that says everything about about that kind of price. So I, I don't think that's about. I I always think as well that the uh, a player leaving after a tournament. I was fear, you know, you've seen the way he started the season. He started it slow. He started the season slow after the last World Cup as well. Yeah. And I don't think it's a great time to leave for another club because you want to get to a club and you want to you want to be up and running from the start. And I don't think what we've seen so far, he he hasn't been on it so far. So um, I think it's best for himself. I, I, to be honest, I don't think I don't think he's a sulker though. Personally, I think he'll just get on with it because I think. I think that is his ego. I think that is his ego. His ego is to score goals. So I don't think he's a, a sulker. And if you look at that Belgium um, forward line, he could easily lose his place in that in that squad uh, in that starting line without a problem. I mean, he did, didn't he? Against Spain, he played uh, Benteke instead, didn't he? So, but that, that was, was a friendly, friendly, wasn't yeah. it? So ah, right, you get the feeling he might have just been rested or um, or whatever. But but he was back for the one that mattered, and he scored a couple of goals. And you just imagine if he's off it a little bit this season. Um, he'll lose that place, and and that and that will that will really damage um, his deal with Nike or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, but going back to what you were saying before, Matt, I mean personally, I mean I don't I don't want Mickey Paddy think about this, but I think the club have really got to start clamping down now on anyone talking, you know, out of school when when they go when they go on these international breaks. I think it's got they've got to be told if you start speaking out of turn, you are you are going to be dropped. It's so hard though, isn't it? Because what you do, you know, player power at the moment is massive. You know, you turn around and say to him, right, if you open your gob, then, you you know, we're either going to, as you say, you can't find them anymore because, you know, they've got more money than cents, so fines are no good. Dropping them, you know, if he doesn't want to play for us anyway, then you say, is that going to work? And you can't say, I'm going to sell you because that's what he wants in the first place. <laughs> so player power at the moment is mental. Uh, it's but, so- I, but I wouldn't, but I wouldn't, Define it by one particular player. If you just put the, the the outline there and say, you know, any player that goes international duty, if you start speaking, you know, anything other than the part the party line, then you know there will be ramifications, and that will be you are dropped, and then everybody knows, and then at least when they do it, we can turn around as fans and say, well, you know, you said you were going to do it, rather than this. I mean, I mean, it's not as bad as last time with. Um, Roberto Man is actually patting him on the back for saying he wants to play Champions League football, which was just a joke at the time. But I think there has to be some kind of discipline through this through the team. Like you'd expect Ronald Koeman would be the man to to dish it out. 
you would have thought so. You would have thought he's going to stand no mess on whatsoever. Um, and it's hard, you know, what you were talking about before. We were saying that we needed to keep him. I agree with you. We did need to keep him because we've got no one else. But the other side to that, playing devil's advocate, is that you don't want an unhappy player at the club who also then is not going to be playing well, whose value is going to go down as well because he's a commodity at the moment as well. So he's, if he's there at the club, he's not doing the business and he wants out, his value is going to decrease as well. So it's such a fine line of trying to get the balance right, isn't it? He's got Paul Pogba nearby as well now, anyway, well, so he can, he can go play. Yeah. He can Loads of play games basketball, of basketball yeah. yeah. So uh, he, he should be happy about that. But uh, I think he's always been quite a streaky player, hasn't he? He tends to go on runs where he scores a, a glut of goals, and then he can go on a spell like he's on currently, where he doesn't tend to get many. So, so hopefully the the goals he scored against Cyprus in midweek will will mm. kick him a little bit, and he'll uh, he'll start finding the back of the net, back of the net soon. Just just finalist uh, Paddy, um, and you know you can all jump in on this one. There's now the dilemma: did you give him a new contract? And I suppose in that contract he could negotiate a buyout clause or they leave him and he has one less year on his contract so therefore his value will go down anyway. No, I think you have to press it. Mickey said something very interesting. He spoke about players being commodities. If we look at this from a business point of view, you need to tie your assets to long contracts. If he runs an extra year of his contract down, his value in the market decreases. So I think it's it's crucial that they start talking about a new deal with Rom, even if that does mean that him and Raiola are only going to accept some kind of release clause. If, I don't know, as a ballpark figure, 70, 75 million. That, I, I, I think that's what we need to go for, really. I'm not sure I would throw a contract at him now, Look at look at John Stones like this summer. I think he had a, he had a poor year, didn't he? Um, last season, obviously a lot of talk about Chelsea maybe going and getting him, but Everton have still managed to sell him for for, for a lot more this uh, this summer than it was being bandied around last summer. And I think if Lukaku goes and scores fifteen twenty goals in the Premier League this season, I think Everton will be well within the rights to to command the same sort of fee again next summer. And if the market inflates again. Then you you're probably going to get that kind of fee. So I'd wait for the time being, and maybe have like have an incentive for him to go out and score goals, and then maybe offer him that new bumper deal and, and make him the highest paid player if he's not already. <laughs> yeah, I sort of tend. I know what you're saying there, Matt, but I sort of tend to agree with Paddy there because I just think I'm not too sure how long he's got left on his contract. But if you once you three start, years it's three summer, years, isn't it? Yeah. right? Okay, once you start getting into that sort of second year. Uh, you you know they know then people the other clubs come sniffing as well don't they and they know that his value is going down as well and I just think Everton as a club where they stand at the moment they can't afford to sort of you know to lose out money wise on him mm. um, but I understand what Matt's saying there you know he's, we've got to put an incentive there we've, because at the moment he's the only player that we've got at the club he's our only sort of striker and there's no pressure on him so at the moment he's king of the castle isn't he and that, I suppose that's why he's walking around thinking he is. <laughs> I fully expect him to would come you, back wearing a crown. Would yeah. you give him a new contract, Pat? Um, I'm split because I don't. I don't know if he deserves one. Like he deserves to be the because he'd end up being the highest earning Everton player of, of all time. Um, so I'm. I'm. Add that to Coney being number nine, and I'm devastated. <laughs> and if if Sissoko had been our highest ever player, God, I, I would have been. I'd have been finished. Um, no, it's it's an interesting one because if he if he does if he does want a new contract, I'm sure if, he'll insist on having a bio clause in it. So, are you protecting your assets if he has got a bio clause? That's that's the interesting dilemma. But I'm sure the club will just offer him one simply out of um, the idea that he after if we have a good season, he might just suddenly decide he likes it Evan and stay. So, well, I mean, that'll be down to his mum and dad, as always. But we'll wait and see on that one. Right, coming up in part three, we'll be looking forward to Monday night's game against Sunderland, the return of David Moyes. Welcome to the final part of the Blue Room on Radio City Talk with me, Peter McPartland. Um, David Moyes, 
it's like a combined Everton and Man United side of old against us on Monday night up at the Stadium of Light. Um, obviously, very disappointing result there at the end. At the end of last, well, I say disappointing. He got rid of Martinez. It wasn't that disappointing. Um, so was, that, was that his last game, or was it? Yeah, it was. Wasn't yeah, it? that was yeah. his last game. He was uh, well. There was many rumours suggesting that he already knew that was going to be his last game when he took it. But um, it's going to be an interesting one. This obviously we've had a we've had a good start. Uh, Sunderland not such a good start, but 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 got a decent point against um, Southampton in their last game. And obviously, David Moyes worked really hard to stop us getting. Kone uh, as well because obviously you know we wanted to you know didn't want to see the lad further his career by coming to a bigger club but it's a th- this is going to be a tough game I think you know I think David Moyes will start to get you know his workings into Sunderland and what anyone whatever anyone thinks of David Moyes you know he, he is a good coach and he's good at getting his system in place and starting to grind out points and then them points end up being wins and, and you know as we've seen at Everton for 11 years he, he's very good at what he does yeah they're going to be organised aren't they um, mm. you know that, that's what he starts he starts organising the back four uh, he plays to a system he's going to have them working hard uh, you know he, he's added a, a couple of little plays and I don't think the fans have talked to him straight away because he's come out hasn't he already and uh, he hasn't helped himself I think in what he said <laughs> at a press conference when he said uh, yeah I expect that's what we're going to be doing this year we're going to be you know fighting relegation that's what we seem to be doing the last couple of years and I think he said something very similar when he just come in as Everton manager I think he, at a press conference he once said uh, you know that the the fans were weren't happy about you know our mm. position in the league, and he turned around and said, "Well, that's where he's been for the last couple of years." So I don't think I think he probably needs to do his research a little bit more, doesn't he? Or maybe have a little bit of a think <laughs> before he goes into these that, press conferences. That's in future. classic Moise, though, isn't it? Because if they do achieve better things, then suddenly it's all because of him. It's him. You know, yeah. he did it at, mm. at us. He, he projected Everton as being little Everton, plucky Everton, and when we did finish top five, top four, top six, top seven suddenly all the light was shone in him and he was the person who had created this. So that is very Moyes. He just, I just think he's done himself no favours though, has he with the fans? I think the fans' expectations yeah. up there. It's a big club. Let's I don't know why it. they've got any. I know, but it's a bit, you know they're getting forty thousand people. People keep on telling me that, though, mate, but I've never seen Sorry, any proof of it. It's a well-supported club, no, it's isn't it? Well-supported. You know, there's not much else to do up there. Yeah. Saturday, to be honest with you. Without, without tempting fate here, and I'm sure I'll be regretting this next week. I think this is a really ideal time to play Sunderland because I think if you look at the players they brought in, I think they've made, made uh, nine new signings. A lot of them are young players. They haven't managed to get a goalkeeper in. They haven't managed to get... Well, they have brought a striker in now, obviously, in Victor and Ichibi to uh, to provide backup to, to Jermaine <laughs> Defoe. But I think those kinds of traits that you mentioned about Moyes, about the, the fitness, about the organisation, about having a solid back four, they'll take time to, to, to implement. And I think with the international break ongoing, he'll have a few players away, all these new signs coming in. It might take him a little bit of a, a little bit more time now to, uh, to to get those sorts of qualities in there. And I think the team that Everton will take there, obviously didn't make any major signings on, on deadline day. I think it'll be settled. And, and we've mm. seen in the last the last hour against West Brom and, and the um, the game against Stoke, it's solid. It's functional going forward. And there's there's a burgeoning cohesion in, in the team with Ronald Koeman. So I think I'd expect us to go up there and, and really put them to the test and, and take the three points. It's not really a conventional away game, if, if I'm looking at it for, from a supporter's point of view. Because I think, uh, first and foremost, as we've said, David Moyes, he's a, he's a defensive orientated manager. And I think what he'll do at the very least is he'll make them hard to beat. They'll sit deep. They won't come on to Everton because they know the likes of Lukaku and Balassi can hurt them in behind. So we're going to have the majority of the ball we're going we're gonna to have the same amount of possession as we would in a home game. And it's just whether this Everton team has enough kind of playmaker types mm. really to break down stubborn teams like that. I've, I've not seen much evidence of it 
as yet. I think I think that was why we we really perhaps needed another playmaker type of Mikel Arteta in there to dictate play from deep. Really, so yeah, P- Pinar. Oh. <laughs> No, you're you spot on though. There, what you're saying there, Paddy, because you know it was very similar at West Brom. We went there, and Pulis was happy to give us the ball because of what he'd seen of us last season. And for the first, you know, for the first 35, 40 minutes, we really struggled with the responsibility of having the ball. We we couldn't find that killer pass, and it was only it was only having Romelu Lukaku on the pitch that suddenly added. Um, Added, added that extra dimension to keep those centre-backs busy that we could start finding the, that little bit of space to play the, with the ball up front. So that will be an interesting point. We we will have more of the ball. It's it's just what we do with it. Um, and with it being the early st- stages of Ronald Koeman's tenure, I, I still think there's there's gaps in that where you've seen in the Stoke game, I think... I think we like. I think we like at the moment to be in those rough and tough games where mm. ball, the ball's flying into the box at both ends. We we've got the players who can deal with that, and you hope at the other end we've just got that little bit of extra class, whether it be from a set piece, yeah, a set piece um, <laughs> that that we, oh, you know, that that we can find uh, the difference in a game. I, I think us going there and trying to dominate the ball is is not necessarily going to be a bad thing here, though, because I think if you look at their results so far. They lost the first two games, didn't they? And they they drew the the most recent one against Saints. I think the fans are there are, while while they are well backed and they can be noisy sometimes they do get edgy very very quick mm. and I think if you can keep the ball off Sunderland for the first 20 minutes and work really hard to get it back which is what we've been doing so far in the first uh, first three games and just smother them and keep them penned back they're going to get on the backs of the players there and as I mentioned there just there before they've got a lot of new players they've got a lot of young players in the side as well and you just wonder whether if Everton can keep the ball and keep them pinned back in their final third for, for, for a long long time they might just disintegrate and I think Going there and really setting our authority on the game is, is going to be the best way to do it, I think. Yeah, I mean, they're the home team, aren't they? As you say, you know, they are going to give the ball up, I think they are. But as you say, the fans won't have that, you know, especially, you know, half an hour into the game. If Everton are dominating the game, they're going to have to come out. And obviously, that's going to play into our hands with, you know, the type of players that we've got there at the moment. So I think this year, away from home, I think a lot of managers are going to be wary of of the way we play. Obviously, with the pace of of you know Balassi, um, you know Ross Barkley there as well, it thrown into the mix. And I think we're going to have to look for Ross for that playmaker. We're looking mm. probably at Ross now to show that little bit of guile he's got. It. This is a massive season for him. Mm. I just think that I think he's got to be that player who you know creates the space for all the players. And I think his final ball is going to. He's really going to have to improve it because I think that's where we're missing out at the moment. We're just missing out on the like final ball in the last. Yeah, I think I think what's key with with with, um, with some of the signs, certainly someone like Balassi is he takes the pressure off. I think Ross Barkley in the last two years, everything's been seen to have gone through him. So when his final ball's been, he's had to create that a lot, and that's where fans have been frustrated with him because he does get a lot of the ball. Certainly has. Whereas now I think we do have someone like Balassi who can. Just from a stand and start, beat the fullback for pace and just whip a ball. And it's whether we've got um, whether we've got players on the other end of that. That that you know in the in the in the in the couple of games he's played or the one and a half games he's played. We we Ross Barkley, funny enough, has really been the only mm. player who's got on the end of one and obviously put it behind. It's we've got to start you know leaning to commit players into the box, not just look for Ross Barkley to try and open defenses up. At least he got into those positions, though, and I think there's been signs that he's starting to try and get into those areas a little bit more as well. I think what's going to be interesting for me is is the decision he makes on the fullback and whether he brings Seamus Coleman straight back into the team after he played against Ireland and after he played against their Serbian midweek and had had a pretty decent game overall, 
However, he, he sticks with Holgate. It's it's going to be. I know. I think there's times last season when we we were looking at the squad and we criticised Martinez for for bringing players out to and inform and bringing some old favourites back in. And I just I just don't see how he can really drop Holgate based on the the way he's been playing in in those first uh, first three games. Really. Yeah, he's been man of the match one year, especially against Stoke. There, you know, I think he offers exactly the same as what Seamus does. Is is going forward? He's a threat as well, mm. and I just think it's it's good for the squad. I think it's going to be good for Seamus Coleman now to realise that he's not going to walk straight back in. The lad's done nothing wrong. He was man of the match against Stoke, so for me, he's got to stay in. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the one of the things with Seamus is I don't think he's fully fit anyway. There was a lot of question marks behind him whether he was fully fit um, for the Republic of Ireland, and that that again, that's good because that was something we've seen. Well, we've seen that probably for the last uh, 14 years is players coming back and playing games when they're not fit. So yeah. if he's not fit, it's good the fact that he can go on the bench um, and, and just and let Holgate get on with it. Because, again, one of the first things Koeman said when he came in was if you if you play well, you keep your shirt. And, that's again, that's something that we haven't seen enough of in the last three or four years either. Mm. I, think, I think if we go there, I'm... I'm... It, well, get a, get a win as well. It'll be it's another tangible sign of progress, isn't it? Because we've obviously we we've, we've gone and righted the wrong with the Stoke game from last year with the the four three. What a solid performance, professional display. And I think if we go to to Sunderland as well and, and show that we have made massive strides from last year as well, it, it's another boost, isn't it? And something to contrast to. So going there and getting the three points and and suddenly it's ten points from from twelve games with, with games against Middlesbrough and, and Bournemouth to come. You're looking up then and thinking. When is this run? This run's not going to come to an end anytime soon. It breeds confidence throughout the rest of the club. So, yeah, I think it's vital that we go then and get the three points. I mean that that the them three games that we played at the moment. I know you know I don't like comparing it to last year, but you just know for a fact that we wouldn't have held out in the, mm. those three games, especially no. the game against Stoke. There, you, you know, although we we rolled our luck a little bit with them in the bar and that, you just feel as though that at some point we would have conceded in one of those games, and and I think that is a good mentality. It's a good practice to get into, you know, to sort of to keep that team spirit up and you know fighting for everything. And I think yeah. that's what Cumin brings to to the team. Yeah, I think we are starting to see that extra value that Cumin adds to the team, but also as well, I looked at the team that played against Stoke, and I think if if you take Adrissa Gay out and you take Ashley Williams and even Stecklenberg to a lesser extent I think the the spine of the team the core of the team is much weaker in, mm. if you take those players out and they've added massive value as well uh, last season we'd have lost that game yeah, last season we'd have lost it um, but there's, this is a stronger Everton it's a more combative Everton as well and that gives you more confidence going into a, a game like this against Sunderland I think obviously someone we haven't spoke about is uh, Enna Valencia Right. I don't. I don't know why he slipped my mind. <laughs> I really don't. But um, we haven't really spoke about him at all. We we have brought him in. Um, a couple of West Ham fans give me a hug on transfer deadline day. I, I think that might say it all. But you know, we, we have brought him in. I mean, what 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 can he add? We've got four minutes left. Someone, someone help me out here. Um, no, but what 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 can he what can he add to this Everton squad? You know. With Monday in mind, <laughs> I think he's a player, isn't he? That seems to be—he seems to have gone stale, doesn't he? At West Ham, I think he was about two years ago when he very first joined the club. He was all the rage, and I think he's really been struggling down there, hasn't he? I think he's struggling for confidence, and he's a player that needed to move. And I think the good thing is that we've only got him in on loan with a view to—I couldn't believe when he said—with a view to a fourteen million million pound move. Um, I think that's very, very wise that we're going to come and have a look at him. He's obviously—he's a, a last-minute job, isn't he? Mm. We've known that we've had to get someone in. I think he's probably maybe Plan D or Plan E after everything else went sort of Pitong didn't it and we've got him in at quarter to 11 have you, you been know? have you been asked to put musician plants into this I heard <laughs> Plan B and uh, Pitong there yeah, and one, there's, one there's another one coming in a minute but I've got three minutes to get another one in <laughs> I, don't know, uh, I don't know you're going to get Britain's uh, in 
But it, but yeah, again, he's a player that I don't know that much about. I think look, as I say, we've got him on loan, and we're just going to have to have a look at him, aren't we? It's, it's quite a moist signing, isn't it? Really, if you look at the, if you look at the, I think one of his the best things he did during his Everton career was you get players who were out of favour elsewhere yeah. in on loan for for six months, so usually in the January window, and yeah. and kind of reinvigorate them and then bring them in permanently. And I think. Valencia, although I've not been impressed with him at all at West Ham, there's obviously there's obviously talent there. He's got a great long shot. He's, I think he's quite good in the air as well for somebody who's only five foot eight. He's got a really good. Yeah. Um, I was looking at his Ecuador goal scoring record the other day. He's got I think it's like one in two for them. Although he uh, he didn't play very well against uh, Brazil the other night from what I saw, but hopefully oh, your football hips. Oh, there. oh I know, yeah, <laughs> Ecuador and Brazil there in the same sentence. But um, no, but um, hopefully a, a, a change of scenery and a move up here will will give him that kind of boost. And I think he fell out with Slaven Vidic towards the end of last season, didn't he? So yeah. he's obviously not happy there. He's unsettled, and perhaps you know pressing Romelu Lukaku will uh, will bring the best out of him. I think I the, the parallel I would make here is I, I see him as fitting into the Everton team in a similar way to how Shane Long works at Southampton. Mm. He, he, he is he, he's similar characteristics really. He's fairly decent in the air even though he's not a target man. But he's also pacey. He'll he'll run into the channels and I think that's what Ronald Koeman's looking for really. There was a there was a failed experiment with Gerard de la Feu really where yeah. throughout pre-season and even in the Tottenham game he didn't quite do enough to, to fulfil that role. But um, Enna Valencia is more accustomed mm-hmm. to it. Um, and whilst I'm not particularly enamoured with the signing, I can see some sort of logic in this as even just to plug a gap and to, to bring somebody off the bench to close out games later on by pressing from the front. I was shocked that they let the lad from Switzerland go to Germany, to be honest, uh, whose name eludes me. Tarashai. Knowing how struggling we are up front, unless he's really that bad. I don't think he's bad. I just think... I just don't don't think they think he's equipped yet, right? Physically, which is what I've heard about Valencia physically. But if you want a manager to get you up to up to literally up to strength with the Premier League, I think we've got the right manager in there. Uh, very quickly, not much time left. Um, predictions, Paddy, start with you for Monday night. Two uh, one Everton, narrow Everton win. Uh, I'll go for another one nil. I think we'll win comfortably. I'm going to go two nil. Is that is that a comfortable win these days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got to wait all. We've waited this long. We've got to wait till Monday now. Uh, Jens, thanks for coming into the show tonight. We'll be back next week, hopefully with big smiles on our faces. Good night. <laughs>